Hello, and welcome to another episode of Incremental Doom. For your consideration, a mutation, a deviation from the norm. Inspect, if not expect, tonight's selected literary form. Divinations and ruminations on this life's horror and hollow. Now salted with rhyme and meter for you to sample, savor, and swallow. Tonight, Poetry, Haunted Houses, by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, The Bells, by Edgar Allan Poe, Darkness, by Lord Byron, Auguries of Innocence, by William Blake, The Second Coming, by W.B. Yeats, The Cremation of Sam McGee, by Robert W. Service. Haunted Houses Henry Wadsworth Longfellow All houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors the harmless phantoms on their errands glide, with feet that make no sound upon the floors. We meet them at the doorway, on the stair, along the passages they come and go. Impalpable impressions on the air, a sense of something moving to and fro. There are more guests at table than the hosts invited. The illuminated hall is thronged with quiet, inoffensive ghosts, as silent as the pictures on the wall. The stranger at my fireside cannot see the forms I see, nor hear the sounds I hear. He but perceives what is, while unto me all that has been is visible and clear. We have no title deeds to house or lands. Owners and occupants of earlier dates, from graves forgotten, stretch their dusty hands, and hold in Mortmain still their old estates. The spirit world around this world of sense floats like an atmosphere, and everywhere wafts through these earthly mists and vapors dense, a vital breath of more ethereal air. Our little lives are kept in equipoise, by opposite attractions and desires, the struggle of the instinct that enjoys, and the more noble instinct that aspires. These perturbations, this perpetual jar of earthly wants and aspirations high, come from the influence of an unseen star, an undiscovered planet in our sky. And as the moon from some dark gate of cloud throws over the sea a floating bridge of light, across whose trembling planks our fancies crowd into the realm of mystery and night. So from the world of spirits there descends a bridge of light, connecting it with this, o'er whose unsteady floor that sways and bends wander our thoughts above the dark abyss. The Bells, Edgar Allan Poe. Hear the sledges with the bells, silver bells. What a world of merriment their melody foretells. How they tinkle, tinkle, tinkle in the icy air of night. While the stars that oversprinkle all the heavens seem to twinkle with a crystalline delight. Keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme to the tintabulation that so musically wells 
From the bells, 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 bells. From the jingling and the tinkling of the bells. Hear the mellow wedding bells, golden bells. What a world of happiness their harmony foretells. Through the balmy air of night, how they ring out their delight. From the molten golden notes, and all in tune, what a liquid ditty floats to the turtle dove that listens while she gloats on the moon. Oh, from out the sounding cells, what a gush of euphony voluminously wells, how it swells, how it dwells on the future, how it tells of the rapture that impels to the swinging and the ringing of the bells, 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 of the bells, 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 to the rhyming and the chiming of the bells. Hear the loud alarm bells, brazen bells. What a tale of terror now their turbulency tells. In the startled ear of night, how they scream out their affright. Too much horrified to speak, they can only shriek, shriek, out of tune, in a clamorous appealing to the mercy of the fire, in a mad expostulation with the deaf and frantic fire, leaping higher, higher, higher with a desperate desire, and a resolute endeavor, now, now to sit or never, by the side of the pale-faced moon. Oh, the bells, 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 what a tale their terror tells of despair! How they clang and clash and roar, what a horror they outpour on the bosom of the palpitating air. Yet the ear it fully knows, by the twanging and the clanging, how the danger ebbs and flows. Yet the ear distinctly tells, in the jangling and the wrangling, how the danger sinks and swells, by the sinking or the swelling in the anger of the bells, of the bells, of the bells, 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 in the clamor and the clangor of the bells. Hear the tolling of the bells, iron bells. What a world of solemn thought their monody compels. In the silence of the night, how we shiver with affright at the melancholy menace of their tone. For every sound that floats from the rust within their throats is a groan. And the people, ah, the people, they that dwell up in the steeple all alone. And who tolling, tolling, tolling in that muffled monotone, feel a glory in so rolling on the human heart a stone. They are neither man nor woman. They are neither brute nor human. They are ghouls. And their king it is who tolls, as he rolls, 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 rolls a paean from the bells. And his merry bosom swells with the paean of the bells. And he dances and he yells, keeping time, 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 in a sort of runic rhyme to the paean of the bells. Of the bells. Keeping time, 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 in a sort of runic rhyme, to the throbbing of the bells. Of the bells, bells, bells. To the sobbing of the bells. Keeping time, 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 as he knells, 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 in a happy runic rhyme, to the rolling of the bells. Of the bells, bells, bells. To the tolling of the bells. Of the bells, 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 to the moaning and the groaning of the bells.
Darkness George Gordon, Lord Byron I had a dream, which was not all a dream. The bright sun was extinguished, and the stars did wander darkling in the eternal space, rayless and pathless, and the icy earth swung blind and blackening in the moonless air. Morn came and went, and came, and brought no day, and men forgot their passions in the dread of their desolation, and all hearts were chilled into a selfish prayer for light. And they did live by watchfires, and the thrones, the palaces of crowned kings, the huts, the habitations of all things which dwell, were burnt for beacons. Cities were consumed, and men were gathered round their blazing homes to look once more into each other's face. Happy were those who dwelt within the eye of the volcanoes and their mountain torch. A fearful hope was all the world contained. Forests were set on fire, but hour by hour they fell and faded, and the crackling trunks extinguished with a crash, and all was black. The brows of men by the despairing light wore an unearthly aspect, as by fits the flashes fell upon them. Some lay down, and hid their eyes and wept, and some did rest their chins upon their clenched hands, and smiled, and others hurried to and fro, and fed their funeral piles with fuel, and looked up with mad disquietude on the dull sky, the pall of a past world and then again with curses cast them down upon the dust, and gnashed their teeth and howled. The wild birds shrieked, and, terrified, did flutter on the ground, and flap their useless wings. The wildest brutes came tame and tremulous, and vipers crawled and twinned themselves among the multitude, hissing, but stingless. They were slain for food. And war, which for a moment was no more, did glut himself again. A meal was bought with blood, and each sat sullenly apart, gorging himself in gloom. No love was left. All earth was but one thought, and that was death, immediate and inglorious. And the pang of famine fed upon all entrails. Men died, and their bones were tombless as their flesh. The meager by the meager were devoured. Even dogs assailed their masters, all save one, and he was faithful to a corpse, and kept the birds and beasts and famished men at bay, till hunger clung them, or the dropping dead lured their lank jaws. Himself sought out no food, but with a piteous and perpetual moan, and a quick desolate cry licking the hand which answered not with a caress, he died. The crowd was famished by degrees. But two of an enormous city did survive, and they were enemies. They met beside the dying embers of an altar place where had been heaped a mass of holy things for an unholy usage. They raked up and shivering scraped with their cold skeleton hands the feeble ashes, and their feeble breath blew for a little life, and made a flame which was a mockery. Then they lifted up their eyes as it grew lighter, and beheld each other's aspects. Saw and shrieked, and died, even of their mutual hideousness they died, unknowing who he was upon whose brow famine had written fiend. The world was void, the populous and the powerful was a lump, seasonless, herbless, 
Treeless, manless, lifeless, a lump of death, a chaos of hard clay. The rivers, lakes, and ocean all stood still, and nothing stirred within their silent depths. Ships sailorless lay rotting on the sea, and their masts fell down piecemeal. As they dropped, they slept on the abyss without a surge. The waves were dead. The tides were in their grave. The moon, their mistress, had expired before. The winds were withered in the stagnant air, and the clouds perished. Darkness had no need of aid from them. She was the universe. Auguries of Innocence William Blake To see a world in a grain of sand, and a heaven in a wild flower, hold infinity in the palm of your hand, and eternity in an hour. A robin redbreast in a cage puts all heaven in a rage. A dovehouse filled with doves and pigeons shoulders hell through all its regions. A dog starved at his master's gate predicts the ruin of the state. A horse misused upon the road calls to heaven for human blood. Each outcry of the hunted hare a fiber from the brain does tear. A skylark wounded in the wing, a cherubim does cease to sing. The gamecock, clipped and armed for fight, does the rising sun affright. Every wolf's and lion's howl raises from hell a human soul. The wild deer, wandering here and there, keeps the human soul from care. The lamb misused breeds public strife, and yet forgives the butcher's knife. The bat that flits at close of eve has left the brain that won't believe. The owl that calls upon the night speaks the unbeliever's fright. He who shall hurt the little wren shall never be beloved by men. He who the ox to wrath has moved shall never be by woman loved. The wanton boy that kills the fly shall feel the spider's enmity. He who torments the chafer's sprite weaves a bower in endless night. The caterpillar on the leaf repeats to thee thy mother's grief. Kill not the moth nor butterfly, for the last judgment draweth nigh. He who shall train the horse to war shall never pass the polar bar. The beggar's dog and widow's cat, feed them, and thou wilt grow fat. The gnat that sings his summer's song, poison gets from slander's tongue. The poison of the snake and newt is the sweat of envy's foot. The poison of the honeybee is the artist's jealousy. The prince's robes and beggar's rags are toadstools on the miser's bags. A truth that's told with bad intent beats all the lies you can invent. It is right, it should be so. Man was made for joy and woe. And when this we rightly know, through the world we safely go. Joy and woe are woven fine, a clothing for the soul divine. Under every grief and pine runs a joy with silken twine. 
The babe is more than swaddling bands throughout all these human lands. Tools were made, and born were hands. Every farmer understands. Every tear from every eye becomes a babe in eternity. This is caught by females bright and returned to its own delight. The bleat, the bark, bellow, and roar are waves that beat on heaven's shore. The babe that weeps the rod beneath writes revenge in realms of death. The beggar's rags fluttering in air does to rags the heavens tear. The soldier armed with sword and gun palsied strikes the summer's sun. The poor man's farthing is worth more than all the gold on Afric's shore. One might wrung from the laborer's hands shall buy and sell the miser's lands. Or if protected from on high, does that whole nation sell and buy? He who mocks the infant's faith shall be mocked in age and death. He who shall teach the child to doubt, the rotting grave shall ne'er get out. He who respects the infant's faith triumphs over hell and death. The child's toys and the old man's reasons are the fruits of the two seasons. The questioner who sits so sly shall never know how to reply. He who replies to words of doubt doth put the light of knowledge out. The strongest poison ever known came from Caesar's laurel crown. Naught can deform the human race like to the armorer's iron brace. When gold and gems adorn the plow, to peaceful arts shall envy bow. A riddle or the cricket's cry is to doubt a fit reply. The emmet's inch and eagle's mile make lame philosophy to smile. He who doubts from what he sees will ne'er believe do what you please. If the sun and moon should doubt, they'd immediately go out. To be in a passion you good may do, but no good if a passion is in you. The whore and gambler by the state licensed build that nation's fate. The harlot's cry from street to street shall weave old England's winding sheet. The winners shout the loser's curse, dance before dead England's hearse. Every night and every morn, some to misery are born. Every morn and every night, some are born to sweet delight. Some are born to sweet delight. Some are born to endless night. We are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye, which was born in a night to perish in a night, when the soul slept in beams of light. God appears and God is light to those poor souls who dwell in night. But does a human form display to those who dwell in realms of day? The Second Coming W.B. Yeats Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. 
the blood-dim tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of Spiritus Mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in the sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs, while all about it reel shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again. But now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle, and what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. The Cremation of Sam McGee Robert W. Service There are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. The Arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was that night on the marge of Lake LaBarge I cremated Sam McGee. Now Sam McGee was from Tennessee where the cotton blooms and blows. Why he left his home in the south to roam round the pole, God only knows. He was always cold, but the land of gold seemed to hold him like a spell. Though he'd often say in his homely way that he'd sooner leave in hail. On a Christmas day, we were mushing our way over the Dawson Trail. Talk of your cold, through the parka's fold it stabbed like a driven nail. If our eyes we'd closed, then the lashes froze till sometimes we couldn't see. It wasn't much fun, but the only one to whimper was Sam McGee. And that very night as we lay packed tight in our robes beneath the snow, and the dogs were fed and the stars overhead were dancing heel and toe, he turned to me and, Cap, says he, I'll cash in this trip, I guess. And if I do, I'm asking that you won't refuse my last request. Well, he seemed so low that I couldn't say no. Then he says with a sort of moan, It's the cursed cold. And it's got right hold till I'm chilled clean through to the bone. Yet, taint being dead, it's my awful dread of the icy grave that pains. So I want you to swear that, foul or fair, you'll cremate my last remains. A pal's last need is a thing to heed, so I swore I would not fail. And we started on at the streak of dawn, but God, he looked ghastly pale. He crouched on the sleigh, and he raved all day of his home in Tennessee. And before nightfall, a corpse was all that was left of Sam McGee. There wasn't a breath in that land of death, and I hurried, horror-driven, with a corpse half-hid that I couldn't get rid because of a promise given. It was lashed to the sleigh, and it seemed to say, You may tax your brawn and brains. But you promised true, and it's up to you to cremate those last remains. Now a promise made is a debt unpaid, and the trail has its own stern code. In the days to come, though my lips were dumb, in my heart how I cursed that load. In the long, long night, by the lone firelight, while the huskies round in a ring, 
howled out their woes to the homeless snows. Oh God, how I loathed that thing. And every day that quiet clay seemed to heavy and heavier grow. And on I went, though the dogs were spent and the grub was getting low. The trail was bad and I felt half mad, but I swore I would not give in. And I'd often sing to the hateful thing, and it hearkened with a grin. Till I came to the marge of Lake Labarge, and a derelict there lay. It was jammed in the ice, but I saw in a trice it was called the Alice May. And I looked at it, and I thought a bit, and I looked at my frozen chum. Then here, said I with a sudden cry, is my crematorium. Some planks I tore from the cabin floor, and I lit the boiler fire. Some coal I found that was lying around, and I heaped the fuel higher. The flames just soared and the furnace roared, such a blaze you seldom see. And I burrowed a hole in the glowing coal, and I stuffed in Sam McGee. Then I made a hike, for I didn't like to hear him sizzle so. And the heavens scowled, and the huskies howled, and the wind began to blow. It was icy cold, but the hot sweat rolled down my cheeks, and I don't know why. And the greasy smoke and an inky cloak went streaking down the sky. I do not know how long in the snow I wrestled with grisly fear, but the stars came out and they danced about ere again I ventured near. I was sick with dread, but I bravely said, I'll just take a peep inside. I guess he's cooked and it's time I looked. Then the door I opened wide. And there sat Sam, looking cool and calm in the heart of the furnace roar. And he wore a smile you could see a mile, and he said, Please close that door. It's fine in here, but I greatly fear you'll let in the cold and storm. Since I left Plumtree, down in Tennessee, it's the first time I've been warm. There are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. The Arctic trails had their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was that night on the marge of Lake Labarge, I cremated Sam McGee. For more tales of literary horror to unsettle you, click the subscribe button below. Incremental Doom. Exponential Entertainment. I'm Edgar.